What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships. Welcome to Intelligence Squared. I'm Connor Boyle. For the Sunday debate, this week we're looking at US politics. Is it time to prosecute former President Donald Trump? It's a highly divisive issue and our expert panel will be discussing the rights and wrongs of it over the next hour. Our host for this debate is the former BBC News Washington and White House correspondent and academic Philippa Thomas. Let's hear more from Philippa now. Now, this debate couldn't be more timely. Just last week, the FBI searched former President Donald J. Trump's home in Palm Beach, Florida, with a warrant stating that he was under investigation for potential breaches of the Espionage Act. The move deeply angered Mr. Trump. His supporters, too. It signalled a major escalation of the investigations into January 6th and the final turbulent stages of the Trump presidency. For some, Donald Trump represents a threat to American democracy and must be prosecuted for his actions to send the message that no one is above the law. A failure to hold him to account, they argue, would embolden him and his supporters to launch further attacks on American institutions with impunity. But others argue that while some of Mr. Trump's behaviour may have been unsavoury, even reprehensible, the pursuit of a prosecution would only further damage the country, politicise the justice system in the eyes of many Americans, and perhaps boost Trump politically by feeding into his narrative of victimhood. So who's right? Well, in a moment, our two speakers are going to make their opening statements to try to persuade you. Then I'll take your questions and encourage more debate between our speakers. We will end the debate with short closing statements and then a vote on what you think about whether Donald Trump should be prosecuted. Let's begin with our speaker for the motion. David Blight is Sterling Professor of American History at Yale University and Director of the Gilda Lehrman Center for the Study of Slavery, Resistance and Abolition. He is the Pulitzer Prize and Lincoln Prize winning author of Frederick Douglass, Prophet of Freedom and a frequent commentator on Donald Trump in publications such as the New York Times, Washington Post and Guardian newspaper. David, you begin. Thank you to Intelligence Squared and thanks to Rich Lowry. Uh, in 1861, Abraham Lincoln, uh, the leader of the original Republican Party, uh, during the secession crisis, a crisis like no other in American history, decided uh, forthrightly that he, he and his party would stand up to secession. Uh, they did not acquiesce in secession. Lincoln told his 
uh, supporters. Uh, he said, let there be no compromise on the question of extending slavery. If there be, all our labor is lost and ere long must be done gone. To a Southerner, he wrote on the territorial question, I am inflexible. Now, um, if Lincoln had not stood up to secession, uh, the United States would have been two countries and a whole different history would have flowed from it. Uh, speed ahead to 1933, when Franklin Roosevelt was, in, was inaugurated. Uh, he uh, inherited a massive economic depression and 25% unemployment, his predecessor. Herbert Hoover had taken a kind of laissez-faire approach to the Great Depression, doing very little. Roosevelt energized government. Uh, they passed overnight the Banking Act and then a whole series of other enactments that became known as the New Deal, which didn't necessarily save American capitalism, but it certainly made strides in that direction. Roosevelt could have backed off and said, you know, this problem is just too vast and complicated. We can't we can't deal with it. Go ahead to uh, 1965 uh, when Lyndon Johnson. Uh, supported after his landslide election the previous year, the 1964 and 65 Civil Rights Acts, especially the Voting Rights Act. Lyndon Johnson, an old segregationist, could have said, uh, I understand this white supremacy. I was one of them. Uh, we can't we can't stop this. I'm not going to get on board for voting rights because it's going to destroy my political party, the Democrats in South forever. Uh, he was not wrong about that. I think of 9-11 when the United States decided to stand up to terrorist organizations like Al-Qaeda and went into Afghanistan to find Al-Qaeda. What if we had said, you know, this is just too big. This is just too complex of a kind of, of a war that we do not know how to fight. Now, it is not, I repeat, not illegal to be mendacious. It is not illegal to lie about an election you lost. The big lie, in other words, is not illegal. It is not illegal to be ignorant of history or ignorant of law and the Constitution, which the previous president has demonstrated he is. Uh, it's not illegal to foment racism with rhetoric, at least, and or behavior. It's not even illegal to cozy up to foreign dictators uh, such as uh, Orban or uh, Kim Jong-un, or Vladimir Putin. What, what President Trump did in Helsinki by saying he, uh, he actually believed Vladimir Putin more than his own intelligence agencies was not illegal. Uh, it might have been politically unwise, but not illegal. It's not illegal to spread misinformation about COVID from the White House briefing room. It's not illegal to uh, maintain over and over that Barack Obama wasn't uh, born in the United States. It's not illegal to be an extreme narcissist. Uh, it's not illegal to insult reporters or to insult women uh, by suggestions of sexual abuse. Uh, it is not illegal to insult NATO members. I could go on. There are many kinds of behavior that are not illegal. They certainly are impeachable offenses. And this president was impeached twice. Impeachment. Uh, is a political process, not a legal process. But it is illegal to uh, engage in obstruction of Congress and its proceedings. 
under Title 18, Section 1805 of the Federal Criminal Code. Uh, it is illegal uh, under the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to incite an insurrection against the United States government, as long as it can be proven. It is illegal to engage in conspiracy to defraud the United States in Title 18, Section 371 of the Criminal Code. Um, it, uh, that, that criminal code is, is in part about cheating the government out of money or property, but it's also about using deceit, the law says, to obstruct a government function. Um, the, to violate the Sedition uh, Conspiracy Act, which is Title 18, Section 2384 of the Criminal Code, it is illegal to collaborate with leaders of a mob interested in overthrowing the U.S. Capitol or a procedure of the U.S. Congress, if that can be proven. Wire fraud is very illegal if it can be shown that a former president used enormous lies to raise money from his supporters. Uh, it is illegal to uh, participate in a violation of the Espionage Act, which the recent search at Mar-a-Lago at least suggested as one of their background laws. Section 793 of the Criminal Code makes it, makes it unlawful uh, to retain defense-related information that could aid a foreign enemy. In Section 1519, destroying and concealing documents to obstruct government proceedings is illegal. And in Section 2071, it is unlawful to remove government records from their appropriate locations and to willfully or unlawfully, that law says, conceal them. Now, last point. Um, we, have, we do have dysfunctional institutions, but we shouldn't fear that we have them. Um, it is not illegal to be blameworthy of something, but it is illegal to break laws openly, willfully. Uh, we, should, we should not fear the virulence of the right-wing supporters of this former president and thereby back off from prosecutions however long and however difficult they may be. It is fear that drives the argument, it seems to me, that we should not prosecute this former president. We should fear, some have argued, the cross-examination that Trump would be put under in a courtroom. Why would we fear cross-examination? And lastly, why do we fear continuing this melodrama, this uh, spotlight that a prosecution would continue to shine on Donald J. Trump when he has violated, it appears, numerous laws. If we fear prosecuting a former president merely because it continues the kinds of drama, which is his branding, that he so enjoys, then why do we have law at all? If we truly believe in rule of law, we will not approach the prosecution of Donald J. Trump through fear, but through belief that maybe, just maybe, some of our institutions, for example, the justice system, can be put to the service of truth. Thank you.
David, thank you very much. And we're asking members of the audience to hold your opinions because, of course, we have to hear the other side in this, uh, this motion to prosecute Trump. Uh, we want to invite you to hear the case against. And our speaker against the motion is Rich Lowry, editor-in-chief of National Review and American Conservative News and Opinion magazine. Uh, Rich writes a regular column for Politico. He appears regularly on public affairs programs such as Meet the Press, uh, is the author also of three books, including The Case for Nationalism, How It Made Us Powerful, United and free. Rich, you also have five minutes to begin your case before I come back and the audience has their turn. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for Intelligence Squared for hosting. These debates are more important than ever. Honored to be here with David Blight. There's something called uh, Open Forces at Yale, allows you to listen to entire lecture series. I listened to the entirety of one of Davis' classes on the Civil War. So I'm basically a former student of David, maybe not one of his favorite former students, but kind of former student. So just to situate myself, I'm, I'm a conservative Republican, but I'm opposed to Donald Trump. So don't take my word for, for it. This is, I'm reading from a Truth Social post by Donald Trump himself a couple of weeks ago, refers to Rich Lowry, who has destroyed the once wonderful and influential national view, the pride and joy of the legendary William F. Buckley. So I'm not a Trump guy, but I am opposed to this resolution. I think there are three tests. One, did Trump clearly and unambiguously violate the law? Would this be good for the country prosecuting him? And would it serve the extremely important political goal of making sure he doesn't win a nomination again and is not elected president of the United States again? If this resolution fails any of those tests that should go down, as it happens, it fails all three. So the fact of the matter is, and David alluded to this uh, some, once you get out of the political and moral realm, where clearly what Trump did was abysmal, atrocious, literally infamous, and get into the legal realm, then you're in a zone where inherently technicalities and mincing distinctions matter. It's no longer just rhetoric. It, th these words really count. Key thing, corrupt intent. Almost all the, the supposed charges that uh, he'd be prosecuted on involve corrupt attempt, which means demonstrating that he didn't sincerely believe that the election was stolen. And I hate to say it, I think he is truly fired with a passionate intensity uh, and sincerity on this stuff. I think if you put him on a lie detector test, he would pass it without question, making some of these outlandish claims. Doesn't speak well of them, but just shows that there's no way you're going to establish the requisite intent. Incitement's a word that's been bandied about. Incitement, very specific in U.S. law. It means a clear and knowing a call to violence, right? It just doesn't mean being reckless. It means a clear and knowing call for uh, imminent violence. You're not going to prove that. Insurrection, again, you can throw it around. It's good to write in op-eds, but it has a specific meaning. And U.S. statutes, rebellion that can't be put down just by uh, law enforcement, that's not going to apply here. Obstructing Congress. So if it's a crime uh, for members of Congress to object to the electors, when the other party's candidate wins a presidential race, then there are many Democrats who are guilty of exactly the same crime, including leaders of the January 6th committee. Yes, it was insane for Trump to think that Mike Pence could unilaterally change the, the uh, count of the electors on January 6th, but we don't prosecute people for insane legal theories. And then just to, to underline this point, the technicalities matter once you're in, you're in the legal realm, once you're in the courtroom. 
We all know the call that Trump had in Georgia with the Secretary of State. You got to find me 11,000 votes. If you actually read the transcript of that call, which is what will happen in a court of law, Trump makes it clear he thinks there's a pool of 400,000 fraudulent votes. So he's not just saying go manufacture 11,000. He's saying go find these votes that I know are fraudulent. He has two or three lawyers on the call with him. People usually don't commission felonies in the company of their lawyers. And the lawyers say, look, we've done fine grain analysis. We believe there are tens of thousands of fraudulent votes. And the takeaway at the end of the call is, can we have a meeting with you, Secretary of State's office, and you can explain how we are, we're wrong? I'm sorry. No one is going to jail for that call. No one is going to jail for that call. So the legalities really matter. And they're just, they're just not here. Now, second test, is it good for the country? No. Uh, whatever we might like, if you saw the reaction to the FBI search and you thought that was over the top and hysterical, just wait. Just wait to, to he's prosecuted. You think this country is divided now? Just wait until you try to, to uh, prosecute him. There's a reason we honor Gerald Ford for pardoning Richard Nixon. It's because he got the country out of a box. Now you have people affirmatively saying we need to get in to this box and it will invite retaliation. You prosecute Trump, Republicans win the presidency in 2024. I guarantee you, Joe Biden will be prosecuted for something by the Republican-led uh, Justice Department, maybe having to do with the sleazy dealings of his son, Hunter Biden. And then finally, the name of the game here is make sure Donald Trump is not president again. The FBI search was the best day politically he's had in a very long time. If you prosecute him, it'll even be better for him. So in summary, the chance locker up when Republicans were saying that about Hillary Clinton was dumb and unworthy. The same is true of lock him up. This resolution must and should fail. Rich, thank you very much. Powerful stuff from both of you. And I think this is a good point at which to reveal the results of the poll to see who has the greatest challenge here. And we can say that coming into this debate for the idea that Donald J. Trump should be prosecuted, 81%. Rich, the challenge is Things are always darkest before they go completely black. 5% say no, but 14% are undecided. I find that uh, particularly interesting. Uh, now, we are going to bring in audience questions uh, and I'm just going to remind you that uh, Connor's told you about how to do that, to, to click on the Ask Question tab. Tell us your name if you want your name to be read out as part of the question. Um, but before we start audience questions, uh, first, a short apology from me. Uh, yes, we do know how to video conference, but mea culpa, my internet fell off the air the minute we started. That hasn't happened to me before in years of actually presenting television from my living room during pandemic. So my apologies to the Intelligence Squared audience. That was me. Let's hope it doesn't happen again. But um, Connor is safely with you to shepherd you through. Can I pick up um, just a thought for, for David and, and for Rich here? Because there doesn't seem to be a real debate between you about the morality of the actions of Donald J. Trump. But we heard from Rich there a very strong case that Donald Trump believes he won. Donald Trump believes there were pools of extra voters that uh, weren't counted. He believes he was swindled out of his second term. Uh, David, who are we to say we can judge his psyche that he's making it up? We're not judging his psyche. And he's not being put on trial, if he's put on trial, uh, for his beliefs. Uh, it is the uh, federal code against 
conspiring to defraud the United States, where the Georgia phone call, which Rich brought up, uh, would be prosecuted. And in that law, it says using deceit to thwart a government function. Can anybody listen to that call to the Secretary of State of Georgia and say Trump was not making something up? Does it matter whether he believed it? His actions in all of these cases, his actions are what should be prosecuted, not his beliefs. Uh, we would be here forever trying to prosecute Donald Trump for immoral acts. Um, and in fact, immorality isn't necessarily illegal, is it? But actions violating federal law, yes, they are. And, and, but, and to, to what extent are we going to continue to argue that this man is so disassociated with truth that he is incapable of knowing his own actions? Yeah, I'm sorry, just as a matter of law, and I know this isn't satisfying, but as a matter of law, uh, uh, any number of these supposed charges do require corrupt intent. And David, even just what you said, deceit, that d deceit means a willful effort to mislead. You know it's wrong, you know you're lying, and you, you do it anyway. And I'm just saying, as a matter of law, look, I don't think it's, it's worse that he believes this stuff as a moral matter, as a political matter, it's worse. It makes it more important that he should go away and be defeated politically. But legally, it's not just the act. It is the intent. And if, and again, David, I think, has conceded the point by the use of that word deceit as a very specific meaning in the law. And again, I think we both agree about this. We're not talking about morality. We're talking about the law. And the law is often unsatisfying if you are just seeking a moral or political outcome, which I think, and I understand the impulse, which I think a lot of people are doing here but it's misapplied in the legal realm, it will backfire. You'll end up losing the case. You'll end up losing the case and giving him a, a bigger victory, which would be just perverse. So don't go down the route in the first place. But Rich, can I just pick up on, on this point? Because there is an argument that uh, the case will be lost. He'll gain support. He'll emerge from this stronger. But isn't the, the, the point of principle that doesn't make it right to leave him be if there are clearly indictable offences here? If, if there are clearly indictable offences, which there aren't. So I have a multi-layered argument just on, on the legalities. I don't think David has made a case. Um, I don't think the case is, is there. And if you're going to be, you can't be the least bit adventurous or novel in a case that, this, that is this consequential. That, that's just a very bad thing. If he shoots someone on Fifth Avenue, you know, if the Midtown prosecutors investigating shootings in Midtown Manhattan, and it arises that Donald Trump shot someone on Fifth Avenue, there's no doubt, right? <laughs> and uh, we don't need to know why he did it even. He shot him, okay? Prosecute him. But this is all extremely uh, murky, and a lot of it involves, I'm sorry to say, you know, a lot of it involves intent. But Rich, you're saying that Donald Trump's intent is only to be judged by some small group of lawyers who were sitting with him when he made that call to the Secretary of State that he is utterly incapable of knowing his own intent. I'd like to see some prosecutors with him on the stand, take him to task about just what he knows and doesn't know. No, I, 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 that's not what it's not his psyche. His psyche is not on trial. His actions are. Well, again, David, intent matters. So if you say his psyche is not on trial, you're saying intent doesn't matter. As a matter of black and white law, oh, a number of these statutes, the intent does matter. And I'm not saying it's the it's judgment of a couple lawyers. Oh. 
I'm saying everyone, you know, some of the most compelling testimony in January uh, 6th committee was his insider saying, Mr. President is not there. There's no, there's no fraud. You know, Bill Barr, Mr. President's BS. And they asked Bill Barr, what did the president say? He didn't accept it. He argued back. He pushed back in every single instance. So again, the legal realm's not satisfying in these respects. We, I, was, I, I would think a number of people supporting this resolution, they want a certain moral and political outcome. Impeachment didn't work. Um, they're going to this. And he committed impeachable offenses up the wazoo, okay? But you can't uh, prosecute someone for an impeachable offense of this nature. It was a political offense. It was a moral offense against our system. Once you get again into the legal realm, it's just a whole different zone. And uh, I'm afraid David hasn't made the case on that. But Rich, by your logic, if he fired a gun on Fifth Avenue and killed somebody, and then he went in and said, I don't believe I did it. Well, I don't believe it, I there's a dead body, there are fingerprints on the gun, and there's a bullet that can be traced to the gun. That, see, there, there it's not murky. It's, it's a clear violation of the law. And if you got him on that, I, I'm going to uh, be open to maybe there, something like that emerges, but it hasn't yet. I think it says quite a lot, doesn't it, that, Rich, you're saying there would pretty much have to be a dead body on the streets with Donald J. Trump's fingerprints on him. It would have to be something clear, yeah a clear violation of the law. You know, a meeting with the Oath Keepers in, in the White House the week before. You guys are storming the Capitol. I know about the Capitol. Here's a map. Here's where you guys go. All right. Um, a speech on, January, on the morning of January 6th, attack the Capitol. That's what incitement is. The United States has a First Amendment. And, and incitement is not protected, but it's narrowly drawn not to intrude on free speech rights. So you got to say, go attack the Capitol. That's incitement. I, I'd be in favor of indicting him in a minute on that. But that's not what he said. In fact, he covered himself by saying, you know, be peaceful. Court of law. Now, you might say, be peaceful, roll your eyes. Court of law. And that's the realm you want in. You want to get out of the moral and political realm. You want in the legal realm. Court of law. That's going to matter. Sponsoring the show for this episode is Marquee TV. Marquee TV is a streaming service with a difference. It's bringing you the top tier of performing arts straight into your living room or onto your device. So think dance, theatre, music, anything you might find in the West End, Broadway, or maybe a cool little experimental space too, but saving you the cost of a few tickets as well. I've got happily a bit lost in their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. Choreographer Jonathan Watkins' interpretation of George Orwell's classic 1984 was pretty cool, and I love the dance piece, Sutra, inspired by the skills of Buddhist Shaolin monks. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents. With the code squared, simply visit marquee.tv and use the promo code squared to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. The events calendar is filling up here at Intelligence Squared, and to create each one, we obviously rely on some brilliant guests and onstage talent. But behind the scenes, there's also a producer, a production team, and the budget in the mix too. You've got to keep an eye on all of that stuff in one place. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. And you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because it's super easy to get started. NetSuite exists in the cloud, you see. No hardware needed. So you're cutting IT costs too. 
That's why over 37,000 companies have already made the move. And now by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-the-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash squared. That's netsuite.com slash squared. netsuite.com slash squared. There are questions coming in. And actually, I think what I'd like to do is encourage those who are listening perhaps especially those of the 14% who don't know what they think yet about whether Donald Trump should be prosecuted, uh, encouraging you to, to bring in your questions. I'm going to start bringing in a few because I think they'll add to the themes that we can kind of bat back and forth and kind of explore a little more. Um, actually, the first question that came in says, does Rich believe Trump has broken any laws since the start of his successful presidential campaign? Do I believe he's broken any laws? Um... No, and I, um, um, this, this, this is the problem is so often in U.S. politics, and this has been true since Watergate, we want to say because someone did something wrong, we disagree with or represented a threat to the constitutional system, it must be a violation of the law. Now, I think the repurposing of the uh, military funding to go to build the border wall was an abuse was illegal, um, but it wasn't, you know, it's not a crime the way we're talking about this. Barack Obama did the same thing when he rewrote immigration law unilaterally to regularize the status of a bunch of illegal immigrants. That also was illegal, but you wouldn't prosecute Barack Obama for it. You wouldn't prosecute Trump for that. It's impeachable. It's, it's technically impeachable. You want a higher level, I think, of political offense to impeach. But again, just because something's bad. And I thought David is very powerful on this in his opening remarks. It doesn't make it illegal. And if you get into the legal realm, it's not, it's not healthy and good for a country. We should, we should argue our politics out in the political realm. To the extent it gets into the legal realm, it's, we've already seen some of this. It's going to hollow out our, our legal institutions, especially if you're stretching to get someone because you consider them especially noxious. That creates the predicate for someone else stretching, and you're not going to like it when they stretch to get your side. Don't do it. That's that's my um, that's so, my. So Rich, make the political Rich, case, make the moral case. Mm -hmm. Don't do this. So Rich, you would argue that all of the efforts Trump made and his people around him made to get Mike Pence as vice president to stand up and stop the count in the Congress, all of those efforts are just free speech. Y yes, I think they're wrong. They're grossly. I'm not asking you whether they're wrong. Like, we can agree that they're wrong. But a president of the United States is organizing his power to get his vice president to stop the count, to stop a legitimate congressional function, is just his free speech and not it, an illegal act? No, well, as a legal matter, it's not illegal. It's grossly wrong and impeachable. And in fact, he was impeached for it. But would you just, I know you wouldn't prosecute him, but Jamie Raskin, is he guilty of a crime? The Democratic congressman from Maryland because he objected to uh, electors when you know George W. Bush was was elected or or Trump was elected is that that's a crime or is it actually part of the process where you have this uh, push and pull um, on uh, over electors and debate about it and if Let's... someone's if someone's grossly violates the spirit of the system you impeach them can I just at this point bring in something that could change the facts that could change the shape of this debate uh, over the coming days or weeks. And I'm thinking about the Mar-a-Lago raid. Um, 
David, your thoughts first on whether you believe Donald Trump could be prosecuted or jailed for espionage? Well, it actually doesn't matter what I believe. If indeed, under the three laws cited in the warrant, we don't have the affidavit yet to know the detailed argument for it. But if in any one of those three laws cited, the Espionage Act, then Section 1519, then Section 27, one of the federal code, if indeed Trump took top secret and beyond top secret documents to Mar-a-Lago all on his own, uh, having no right to do it, and the Justice Department chooses to go to court, in other words, they indict him and chooses to go to court, and they can demonstrate that, yes, he ordered people to put those in boxes and get them out of here and get them on the airplane in some chaotic situation. He violated the law. So maybe that ultimately is where the case will be made. But I do think the Justice Department has a hell of a lot to work with from the January 6th committee already. But th this approach is, th this is a deeply illiberal approach, if you forgive me. Usually what we do, we, we look for violations of the law and then we see someone violates them and then we go after that person. You don't focus on a particular person. Say, maybe I can get him on this. If I don't get him on this, I can get him on that. If I don't get him on that, I can really stretch and maybe get him on this. That's not the way it's supposed to work. And, and you've, had know about legal jurist, though, week. Uh, you've had legal jurists on both sides saying this is a really bad way to go about it. And the problem you're going to have, you know, we need to know the facts. I mean, the facts are, facts are always important, what was going on in Mar-a-Lago. But you can't say James Comey, as I'm not saying you say this, David, maybe you believe Hillary Clinton should have been prosecuted. But you can't say James Comey was a great act of statesmanship to choose not to prosecute Hillary Clinton for her violations of the handling of classified material, and then say, we got to get Trump. Those things don't add up. And if you try to do it, you will cause this conflagration because people will not accept the legitimacy of it. They'll think it's unfair and selective. And again, that's getting your politics into the, the legal realm and destroying your legal system. Tom asks, and I think this is relevant at this point, David, Tom asks, how do or perhaps how could Trump voters get on board with prosecution? If you're making the case for prosecution and you're sitting in a room full of Loyal Trump voters, David, what do you say to them above all? <laughs> well, I will try to make them <laughs> talk. You might feel like you're in the lion's den, but I, 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 what's I your Richard, best argument? I think Rich is even going to have trouble with those people. <laughs> They're going to hate him more than me. Um, but I'm going to try to get them to talk to me about facts. I'm going to try to get them to talk to me about questions of truth. And then I'm going to try to get them to talk to me about complicity by the president of the United States in fomenting that mob that attacked the U.S. Capitol. And then if it's about Mar-a-Lago, I will ask them to withhold judgment until the Justice Department, however long it takes them, decides whether to indict, to charge or not. And if they do, I would simply ask them to read these laws to read the actual content of, of the federal code. And, and actually, perhaps millions of Americans are reading the federal code for the first time. This is a good, a good historical legal education. Mm -hmm. I would ask them to simply try to have an open mind that this is not just an attempt to get Trump. It is. So, so that we didn't the, even know about the raid in Mar-a-Lago until last week. So, David, let's say one of, one of those uh, Trump voters says, well, Professor Blight, you make a, make a lot of sense. I love your work. Frederick Douglass biography, it's awesome, which it is. I'm not just making that up as a hypothetical. Um, why didn't you want to indict Hillary? Would you have indicted Hillary over her 
violations of the handling of classified material? Because that's the first thing I'll uh, ask you. In retrospect, uh, no, but I'd have to go back and look at those facts again. That happens was, all was it, in the It wasn't a technical violation of the law. There, there's no doubt she violated the law. So if the new standard is, if any of our politicians violate the law, we're nailing them to the wall no matter what, mm -hmm. no matter what the political yeah. effect, no matter how it will drive okay. people crazy, okay. then you, you have to favor indicting her too. And then we're already right. in this tongue. Okay, warfare. but Rich, Rich, I'm going to ask you here. It was the same thing I would ask those Trump voters in a room. Are there not qualitative judgments we must make? Qualitative judgments are always made under the law. Judges make them every day. Supreme, yeah. Supreme Court justice, courts of appeal justices make them every day. The violation Hillary Clinton committed of getting a, a second server for documents, uh, that's, that's one kind of uh, violation. And if it was a violation... Maybe, just maybe, there should have been some uh, answering for that before law. But qualitatively, gathering up absolute top secret documents for whatever his motives were, and we don't know that yet, whatever purposes he may have had, whatever sheer floppiness he had with, with major documents, is qualitatively of a different level of violation of law what, than hey, what we can claim. Because, why? Well, Hillary Clinton set up a, a, a server system explicitly to have an end run around the State Department's protection of classified documents. And again, you're slipping into and how you characterize Trump. At the end there, you're uh -huh. saying it's sloppiness. Well, if you're, you're the, making the qualitative judgments, sloppiness is different than you know, having a blueprint of a hypersonic missile to sell to the Russians, right? So I, we, I already acknowledge Let me bring in a couple matter. more points. And we're just running over all that. There, there are many in the audience who are sure. very engaged with this. And I just want to bring in a couple of points. Uh, one that may be relevant at this point from Lois McMillan, who's in Oregon, uh, saying, look, aren't we a nation of laws? Shouldn't every president be above the law? Perhaps turning back your point on you there, Rich, she asks you, uh, how can your criteria that we don't apply the law because it may further divide the country or re-elect Trump? Uh, how, how can you stand by that? She says, isn't every president above the law included? Yeah, now my, my first criteria is he has to have violated the law in some sort of clear and ambiguous way. And the, the first of my three-part test is, is that very question. And I think I've quite persuasively argued, no, <laughs> he hasn't. Uh, it's, all, it's all speculative. It has to do with intent, which we sort of agree. David doesn't think you have to prove intent, but you do. And I think that's not true. I difficult. didn't that. And then I did not well, well, you, you did <laughs> earlier. But if you think we no, have to prove his intent, then it's, we go to no. my point that it, you, you, you characterize it as having to read his psyche, get, get to his intent. I'd like, that's to, what, see, that's when I'd like to see prosecutors take on his intent in a courtroom. But, but you don't just like do it for fun and you don't do it for show and you don't do it because, oh, we're going to stick it to this guy. Uh, no. If, if no. You don't so think so can... why do you do it is another question from Susan in the audience. She says, David, don't you think it's just that Democrats are scared of losing 2024? That's why they want him to go to jail. So he can't run. Isn't that part of the motivation? No, it isn't at all. Let him run. No. What, what this is really, no, sure, there are Democrats who, who want revenge against Donald Trump and revenge against Trumpism. Of course there are. But this, at this point, historically, is a matter of can a president, while in office, commit crimes that he never has to answer for, and after he's out of office, to continue to peddle the message of his crimes uh, without any impunity forever, 
just because we fear that his supporters might become violent. What if, what if that's what Lincoln had done in 1861 and just said, oh, you know, these people are going to get really violent. We better back off. Or LBJ had said, oh, my God, you know, white supremacists in the South are going to get really violent now. And they did. I think we have another audience question, which, which dovetails onto what you're saying before I just let Rich come in, which the questioner says, what does Rich believe the message that not prosecuting Trump sends? What is the message uh, that is sent to the January 6th attackers? That we're a nation of laws. And if you violate the law, we will prosecute you. The January 6th rioters, the vanguard of those people, violated any number of laws. And they have been prosecuted up and down appropriately so. And if Donald Trump actually incited them as a legal matter, again, incitement's a legal term. It's one thing to write it or say it in an op-ed or on cable TV. But in our legal system, it means something very specific, a really high threshold. He didn't, Trump didn't meet that threshold. Doesn't mean that he wasn't reckless. Doesn't mean that it was horribly wrong. It was, it's just not illegal. I, again, I, I'm just repeating myself. It's not satisfying, but that's, that's the way that the legal system works. And you don't prosecute someone because you don't like him getting away with saying lies. The way to stop him uh, or, or to make him pay the ultimate price for, for saying lies isn't to like prosecute him and boost him up and go through a two-year drama that's going to lead to nothing. It's to defeat him politically. It is to defeat him politically. And um, if you don't have a legal case and then you're, you're relying on this, oh, we'll make him go away and pay a price for, for lies. The way to make him pay a price is to have him go away. And that process was, was happening slowly but surely. Uh, he, had, he was losing his grip. Now, thanks to the FBI, he's, he's been boosted up again. That's um, Pol- a grievous mistake. Pol- may I make one simple point? I am not arguing that Donald Trump should just be prosecuted because a whole lot of people don't like him. And I am not arguing that he has indeed broken these laws. I'm not a lawyer and I do not know. I don't work for the Justice Department. I am simply saying that Rich is essentially making the argument that there's so much fear in our political culture about what will come of this, that we should therefore not do it. I'm saying we should not act yes or no on this problem just out of fear. But David, Can I there, bring there, in with a call respect, 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 just one, one, just one very, very one thing. Okay, if then I'll follow up. You, sorry, if you don't know he broke laws, you should not be arguing in favor of this resolution. Can I come it's back? It's not for me to, to say that he broke laws. I'm not the problem. Well, why are you arguing in favor of the resolution? I'm, I'm saying that if indeed the Justice Department makes the case based on this array of laws that they have already said they may have violations, then of course he should be prosecuted. We can but, feel but the heat here, can't we? Look, this, your, is a, this is a civilized, this is a not, civilized no, debate between the two of you. And we can feel the heat. And I'm going to ask you both to listen to this question from Cara, because, well, I want you to, I want to see whether you take the question seriously. Cara asked both speakers, do you worry the Trump prosecution could become a new civil war? David. Uh, I think in a sense, we already have it. It's, it's not a civil war in any sense that Americans remember it's the real civil war. Uh, we, have, we have civil conflict. We have egregious, terrible polarization in our political culture. Uh, we have a division that does not lend itself to any kind of comity or compromise. We already have the conflict. What I'm trying to say here is 
I don't believe this is risking civil war. It is risking further civil conflict. But the stakes in this are the question of whether we have rule of law and whether we have respect for the very institutions that Rich has argued are not functioning very well. It's possible, just possible here, that our justice system could prove that it is working. And it may even prove that, Rich, by deciding uh, Garland and the G uh, DOJ may decide not to prosecute, which alone... That would be, that would be wise. Well, uh, I'm with you. Well, <laughs> but let's let the Justice Department <laughs> decide that. But the, the I, thing what, is, what's your, when, what's your thing is they should too. even be considered. Because there's not a violation. There's not a, we would know. A, a, layman, a layman would be able to examine the evidence and look at the statute and say, yes. You can't do that. But you don't it, work for the Justice Department. I, of course department. I don't, but I, I do this for a living. I, I, I read and analyze just the way you do, just this in a different realm. This could be a full day's debate. Clear, I'm going to pin you down, violation law. Rich Lowry, <laughs> on the use of that phrase, civil war, whether you think it's relevant, what do you think about it even being brought into this debate? Oh, I think it's, it's hysterical at, at this point. Um, look, if, if a, an ambiguous, um, adventurous, unwarranted prosecution of Donald Trump, and I think that's what we'd be looking at now, Garland is under massive political pressure from Democrats to do this, and I fear he's buckling, would bring us closer to some sort of breaking point. But the, the Civil War... No, you know, and I just think civil war analogies that January 6th was terrible. But if Fort Sumter had involved, you know, people breaking into if to, breaking into the fort and parading around for a while and then getting arrested and thrown in jail, we wouldn't have had a civil war. Uh, there was no breakaway Republic of Stop the Steal. Uh, we're far away from that point. But I do think our institutions are under stress and it's not the best stress test for the Justice Department. Con Connor, a counter to what David says, will not be a highly contentious, radioactive prosecution on dubious grounds. That's not, that's not the test you want for the integrity of the Justice Department and its strength as an institution. I just want to look at the definition of something that you said, Rich. You said it could bring us to some sort of breaking point. In, I just think it's fur, further, further down the road of division, further down the road of, of no one trusting uh, one another, further down the road. You know, it wasn't a rhetorical point I made at the beginning. I think it's literally true. If Republican wins in 2024, and there's some significant, at least 50, maybe higher percent chance, and, and um, Trump is prosecuted on his dubious grounds, it will happen to Joe Biden. And that's just, it's something we haven't done as a country. Everyone's ish, um, uh, engaged in forbearance and statesmanship, and that's called for here. Don't do this, Merrick Garland. I know you're feeling the pressure. Don't do it. But Rich, you just said you, quote, fear that Merrick Garland is feeling this pressure and mm -hmm. buckling, your word, buckling. Yeah. How do you know that? Just because he authorized a search of Mar-a-Lago? Is it not possible, Rich, that Merrick Garland was delivered by his aides this list of documents, high top secret, possibly nuclear information, and he's told these have been in, in Mar-a-Lago for a year and a half. We, we were told we got all of it out in June. Now we learn we didn't get auto all of it out by any means. We've been asking and asking and asking, uh, Mr. T Attorney General, you're going to have to go in with a warrant and take them. Does that mean he's yes, buckling so, under Democratic so, Party pressure or he's responding to his legal responsibility? Yeah. So, again, we don't know the facts specifically about Mar-a-Lago. I'm willing. I changed my mind based on 
on uh, new facts, but I said fear knowingly, like advisedly, right? I don't know he's buckling to pressure, but certainly all the indications, the pressure is massive on him up and down from the Democratic Party, from um, large sectors of the press. And my read, again, it's, it's speculative because we don't know anything about Mar-a-Lago in detail, is that might have been related to January 6th, subsection C of the appendix of the warrant says you can take anything, any, any record created by President Trump the four years of his presidency, which some some people suggest, well, that's really wide ranging. And maybe that means you're trying to to gather more evidence related to January 6th. Certainly timing is interesting because it, it coincides with these January 6th related uh, searches of a congressman and a couple of lawyers. So that would suggest this related to January 6th. So I, I think if he indicts Trump on something January 6th related, unless there's some smoking gun that we're not aware of, it'll be buckling to pressure. It'll be a dubious pro- prosecution. It'll very likely fail. And then also have disastrous uh, political effects for the country. And just picking up on that, Rich, and uh, a question that's that's come in uh, for you: What is the stronger argument against prosecuting Trump? That it'll be hard to convict him, or that it will further polarize U.S. politics? You've spoken to both these. Which is the stronger? Le- the legal, the legal case. The standard is: you got to believe you're going to convict and sustain the conviction. Now, I, you can probably convict him of anything uh, in front of a D.C. jury this at this point. But are you going to sustain it under appeal? Are you going to sustain it as it goes up the system? No, very, very unlikely. Again, not not based on anything that anyone knows at the moment. I am just about to give you both two minutes to sum up. I am just going to bring in a question before that, which has popped in, which is kind of intriguing. David, is it possible to do a plea bargain with Trump? What would you think about that? Well, I don't know what form it would take. What would, would it mean that he... Uh... <laughs> what, that he releases even more documents? What would the plea bargain be? Uh, you don't have to go to jail, sir, if you tell the truth. I mean, uh, that, this man has such a troubled relationship with truth. I don't think uh, that's going to get us anywhere. Uh, a plea bargain meant that you wouldn't run for president again, I suppose. We're, we're, all of this is an unprecedented ground, as Rich well knows. Uh, the idea that the Justice Department would make a plea bargain with a former president and the deal would be you don't run again because you're you're a danger to the country or something. Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't think. And that would uh, be worse than a Gerald Ford pardon in terms of leaving ambiguity in our legal structure for years and years to come. What's ultimate? Well, I'll say. Can I, yes. May I, may I ask you to pause because I'm, I'm going to, in just a few minutes, give our audience the chance to vote again and to tell them how they voted. Uh, before that, I would like to offer you both uh, a two-minute closing statement. I've actually got a stopwatch here because I've gone a bit long. So, uh, Rich Lowry, may I invite you first to make uh, your statement as to why there should not be a prosecution of Donald Trump? Yeah. So before I do that, I just want to thank you. I want to thank the audience members. I want to thank David for his uh, passionate sincerity on this and on so much else. I've listened to you over the years, David. You you are you you believe in what you consider truth and justice, and I always uh, respect that. So it's been an honor being here uh, with you this afternoon. So I would just um, sum up by saying no one's above the law and no one's beneath the law. So you don't want to go out of your way. Uh, because you consider him a noxious figure to stretch to find some dubious legal theory or grounds to prosecute him. That would be wrong. That would be a violation of the spirit of uh, what's supposed to be a nation 
of laws. And as I've made clear, you know, I understand the sentiment of wanting to make him pay a price for what he did. It's deeply unsatisfying. He got impeached. He didn't get convicted. He's a, a leading candidate for president again. That's uh, no one should be happy with with that. But this this is the legal system's not the way to do it. There's no scenario. There's no scenario where he's going away to a federal penitentiary for five to 10 years, never to be heard from again. There's really? no scenario to where he's, you know, he's going to be banned from running for president because what a statute says, all those requirements are in in the Constitution. So you want to stop him from having the sweetest revenge, which is being behind the resolute desk again, smiling, two thumbs up. That's what you want to avoid. And a prosecution, a dubious prosecution is not the way to do it. Trust me, I, I live and breathe Republican politics. It will backfire miserably. Please don't do it. Please vote against this resolution. Rich Lowry, thank you. I'm going to give the same time, which was one and a half minutes, to David Blight. <laughs> well, thank you, Rich. And I greatly respect the positions you've taken on Donald Trump in recent years. I do. Uh, first of all, there's no dubious theory of law in those three statutes that the Justice Department named in that warrant at, at Mar-a-Lago. That, that's not a dubious theory of law. He either took those documents illegally or he did not. Um, I believe Rich Lowry has made his case here essentially on the argument of fear. We should fear ever having Donald Trump as president again. We should fear the violence that may come from a legitimate prosecution if the DOJ chooses to prosecute. We should fear a cross-examination in court, which seems extremely strange to me. We should fear that we can't prove intent. I don't think we need to be thinking about this in terms of fear. Of course, there could be violence out of this. There already has been. But if we just back away and say, because Donald Trump is so dangerous socially and politically, we should never prosecute him. I think Rich Lowry is most interested in finally getting Donald Trump out of the way of poisoning his political party, which he has done. And there is more than one way to get Donald Trump out of our politics. A prosecution is not necessarily the best way. I agree with you. And I'm surprised Trump hasn't actually announced his candidacy already. But fear should not be the basis on which we apply the law. David, thank you. Rich, thank you both for being so succinct. We're going to put up our final vote uh, for you, the audience, to say whether you believe there should be a prosecution of Donald Trump uh, or not. And a reminder that at the opening, the votes were 81 in favour of prosecution, 5% against and an undecided 14%. So I am on tenterhooks. <laughs> uh, the world's waiting. <laughs> the world is waiting. And I'm going to thank both of you for your clarity and depth of thinking and your good humour, given that this is such an emotive, such a difficult debate. And the political state of the nation hinges, perhaps, upon what we've been talking about. Uh, but we know from the questions that came in, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to get to all of them, that there are very strong feelings about criminality, morality, sanity, Donald Trump's future. And there we go, a final vote. 72% think Donald Trump should be prosecuted. 26% disagree now. So you have rich won over some to your wow. cause. How about that? Thank, how about that? 
Thank you both very much. Thank you to the audience for your patience too. Uh, It has Mm. been fascinating. And I'd also like to thank Intelligence Squared for bringing us together and bringing the audience into this live hour. There's going to be a lot more said about this in the weeks to come. Thank you. What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships.